prayer evangelism ministry course. Why did I attend? Well, I could see that Carol was being changed. It was impacted by what she'd been learning, and that intrigues me. I don't know about you, but when I see somebody, thank you, uh, when I see somebody being changed, uh, then I, I'm very interested. That's how I came to Christ. A very close friend of mine was impacted by the life of Jesus. And uh, I thought, what's he into? So I changed it. Okay, the, uh, the, the man telling this unfolding modern-day story sharing what he's learning, is, uh, is just a man of great character and humility. That's a sad, sadly a, a commodity missing in, in many lives, isn't it? Uh, much, um, much humility. So Dr. Ed Silvoso is an intelligent, well-thought-through teacher, but his greatest qualities are his love and his humility. It impacts you. It's worth listening to. The course is, is God-focused. You know, so many of our evangelism programs, whilst wonderful in intent, more often are based around what we should, you know, the shouldering and ordering, uh, doing for God and rely on self-effort rather than God. But in this approach, which is a lifestyle, much more of a lifestyle of prayer, uh, of uh, watch and pray, Sorry, it's not watch and pray. In fact, it's pray and watch. It's a little bit different. So as we pray for neighbours and become more conscious of their uh, people around us in our daily lives, we start to see what God is doing. And he begins to open our eyes as to some possibilities. Jesus tells us that the fields are, are ready for harvest, but we need help to identify which field. Uh, praying and asking God to show us where he is working seems to be the key. So simply, praying peace and blessing over people, getting to know them, meeting their felt needs as they occur, praying for the sick, for instance, and then as prayers are answered and they begin to ask questions, we introduce the kingdom and Jesus. It's fairly simple. And lastly, the, the, uh, the people in the videos who've been watching, telling their stories of God at work in their communities, have been just inspiring. They're just ordinary people, but just seeing an amazing God at work. Clearly, they are filled with the Holy Spirit and overflow Christ's love to those that God leads them to. Communities are changed, are being changed, huge communities in the most extraordinary and supernatural ways. The adventure for us has just begun. Do you want to know more? <laughs> Ask Sam or Carol and uh, watch the space. Good morning, everybody. Well, as you can tell, we're well and truly into that part of the church calendar, which is known as Advent. An advent means coming, and it usually means, in that context of coming, uh, Jesus coming into the world as a babe. But it can also mean Jesus coming into our hearts and lives, and also Jesus coming back into the world in all his glory as king and judge. So let's pray about advent. Father God, help us to reflect in the days leading up to this Christmas on the coming of your only begotten Son into the troubled world of his time. Help us reflect on the squalor into which Jesus was born, the oppression of the ruling authorities and the short life that he would live. Yet as the heavens celebrated the glory at his birth, help us to celebrate and rejoice at the wonder of his birth, his life, his humanity and what he did for us for all humankind on the cross. Help us, Father, we pray, as we reflect on our own troubled times, on disease, 
on squalor and hunger throughout our world, on the oppression of rulers, authorities and even social media, the exploitation of the weak and the defenceless and the endless assault of commercialism on our senses. Help us, Father, to remember the glory that you brought forth with Jesus' birth, a glory which still shines brightly today. And we pray, Father, that once again you'll make things right. Father, we pray for the coming of Jesus today into the hearts of men, women and children, to those who are troubled in soul, to those who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something better, something greater. Encourage us, encourage us all to spread the good news that Jesus still wants to be our Emmanuel, God with us, this day, and he wants us to be with him. And we pray for the Holy Spirit to renew his work in conforming us to the image of Christ. Father, show us how to slow down in this lead up to Christmas. Let us not be in a rush. Let us sense your presence and your peace. Please, Jesus, come to the manger in our hearts. Dwell within around us. And let us unwrap your presence with us day by day. Dear Lord, keep us close to you, we pray. And Father God, we look forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. Strengthen the hope within us for Jesus to return in glory. Give us endurance and patience as we await his return. Give us more joy and more peace in our lives as we look forward in faith to the restoration of all things when Jesus returns. And increase in us our love for him and for one another so that with the heavenly host we too might proclaim Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning to the uh, early crew. (laughs) And I just wanted to make uh, a huge thank you, take time to say thank you to volunteers who are We've got a couple of um, people doing two shifts this morning and uh, the tech guys and coffee guys being able to to make this morning happen with two services. Thank you so much uh, for that. What we really sensed and felt it's really important that we gather together as as God's community, that we don't um, uh, stay away from one another. The the Bible calls us to together and to be uh, gathering together. So we've thought it was really important to, to maintain that where we can. And so going to two, two services was going to make that possible. So thanks to you to everyone who's made it possible. Uh, it's, it's a really important thing. Great to sing a Christmas carol this morning, wasn't it? Wonderful to sing it. I uh, used to be a worship coordinator in the previous church I was in. I used to like work out when I could sneak in a Christmas, like how, how early you could do it, maybe mid-November, you know, start, start, start putting it in there because we only get to sing them once a year and they're so rich in their words, uh, so full of truth about the Christmas story, so wonderful to sing. But at the same time, I don't know about you, we talked about Advent and preparing and getting ready for the season. Who here feels ready for Christmas? I, uh, who feels like it's on oh my 
It's tomorrow. <laughs> it's been such a crazy year. In fact, uh, this picture uh, that I'm going to put up now might sum up how you might be feeling about 2020. Um, and all of a sudden we're here and all of a sudden we're talking about Advent and preparing the way and, and getting ready for the, the Christmas message. So this year, I'm sure for every person across the globe, Christmas is going to look a little different. In fact, I've been uh, doing a number of uh, calls to people and having conversations, and there seems to be a general theme uh, coming across uh, in people's world, and that is weariness, Uh, that is uh, uncertainty, that is sometimes even fear uh, about what our world is like and what the future is is going to be. So I want to bring a message of, of hope uh, into this situation, into this world that might be fearful, that might feel uncertain, that might feel weary. We talk about Advent, love, joy, peace and hope. And as I was, I was dwelling on this and thinking about this morning, uh, this week you might have noticed down by Joan's pantry, I was driving my car to work and I noticed up on the wall uh, this picture. And I quickly got my phone out as I was driving along, probably illegal, but... There we go, took, took a photo, and it was just a great reminder that we are in the season of Advent, of hope. How do we find hope? Where is our source of hope in the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst of this weariness, perhaps in the midst of fear? So I want to declare that the Christmas story is about hope, not hope in some distant future, not hope when all things line up, not hope when we get our act together. But I want to declare this morning that hope is here. Hope is here. Hope is a certainty because it is in Jesus that we find our hope. In uncertain times, there is still a certainty, and that is Jesus. And he's come into our world at Christmas to bring us hope. How do we get the reality, that the truth of Jesus being the hope of the world into our everyday present reality? I want us to look at uh, a passage of scripture that often gets read at this uh, time of year, John chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to uh, open up to them if you've got your smartphone or whatever device, and I encourage you to, to use whatever Uh, version you have open because I want to do a little experiment a bit later on. So reading from John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. We've heard uh, a phrase like that somewhere else in the Bible, haven't we? The very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, the beginning was God. And so John is making the, uh, the, the connection here that Jesus is the word. He is divine. He is God. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus wasn't just a plan B. He wasn't just a, the world needs a saviour, let's do something about it. It was always in God's plan. Jesus always was and forever will be. He was in the beginning. Through him, that is Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. Now here it's not saying in him was uh, existence, breath, uh, you know, blood pumping up and down, making life. No, life in all its fullness, as John 10.10 10 says. Life uh, 
in all its fullness. In him was not just breath, but life, the life that we all long for. And that life was the light of all mankind. And it says here in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Now, the darkness here John is describing as darkness would describe uh, individuals or society or a culture that would come against God, that uh, would be uh, happy to be in its own self, uh, uh, self, um, you know, desires and, and sin and, and against God. So darkness, light shines into that darkness, into that world, into that culture. But the darkness has not understood it. Now, you might be reading along with me on the screen. You said you, you, you read that wrong. You said understood it. Now, my little reading Bible is the NIV uh, 1984 version. And in that it says, has not, over, has not understood it. And in the new NIV it says, overcome it. Now, does anyone who's been reading along have a different word? Did not comprehend. So we've got a King James, maybe? Is it King James? Yeah. Any other words there as you've been reading along in a different version? See, what we've got here is, is a, a word. And so often uh, in the Greek or the Hebrew, there, there is a word that has many meanings. And when our English translators are trying to put it together, uh, they're trying to get the original meaning ba- based on the whole context of the verse. And we have a word here that, that scholars and interpreters have tried to make sense of, and that's why we get different versions. In fact, I've got a couple of different versions here. The NLT says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The, and the two NIVs that we've talked about, the New King James cannot comprehend it, and the New Living Translation says the darkness has never been able to put out the light. The Greek word here that we're talking about is this word, and I need, need the pictures, <laughs> katalambano, no Greek speakers in the room, no, that's good, and it really means to lay hold of or to seize. And so there's really three ways in which this word can be interpreted. It can be understand or comprehend, to overcome or, over, or empower, or to extinguish. And I just want to look at quickly, I know we don't have much time this morning, I want to look at these three uh, different ways of interpreting this word and how that might speak to us in terms of our understanding of this verse. Jesus is the light. At Christmas time we celebrate the fact that this light has come into our world and it shines in the darkness, it shines into our world, it shines into our existence and this world cannot either understand it or overcome it or extinguish it. So, first of all, um, it cannot comprehend or understand it. And I think this is a, a reality as we look in our society and the world around us today. Uh, the further and further we move away from Christian values being part of and central to our society, the more and more uh, a generation are raised up that don't understand and comprehend uh, God's plan and God's way of this world. And if we looked at what society perhaps looked like 100 years ago and what was deemed um, 
yeah, ethical and and valuable and 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 uh, uh, and moral, and what was perhaps considered not uh, up to standard. Uh, so let's just put that up here, and then as we go through the years, you know, fifty years ago, it might be here, and 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 the the gap between what is considered to be right and, and wholesome and, and, and remains the same. And, and But the further and further those values and the, the, those things of God that are central to our society uh, come out of it, uh, before you know it, we're over here in 2020. And even what society deems as, as good and wholesome and right, if you draw a line back to, to things uh, 100 years ago, is actually below what was deemed acceptable, uh, what will seem unacceptable, sorry. And we see this uh, in the current issues before us. We've been talking about the termination of pregnancy bill. Uh, It's with sadness that uh, last week we we heard that the upper house uh, voted for it. Uh, I think it was nine, four, four, no, nine. I've got it written here. Twelve. 12 against and 9-4. No, thir- I've got it written down, 13-4 and 9 against. And so we have a society in a world where uh, there's a culture and we see it in, in programs like Q&A where young people and, and the new generation don't understand and don't comprehend the goodness of what God's plan and purpose is for our world. And so there's something what's called a, a, can, a cancer, not cancer, a cancel culture, a cancel culture, where where people don't they go I don't understand it. I don't, this is this is archaic. This is something that I don't agree with. Therefore, I'm going to try and cut it off to make our society better. And we see this around us. Very interestingly, uh, an artist, a, a musician, Nick Cave. Now, I don't like his music, so I just want to say that. In fact, if you want to, like, get in my, my brain, play The Doors or Nick Cave and I'll run away. <laughs> but Nick Cave on Instagram wrote these very, very interesting words. We're talking about values in society and we're talking about a, a, a cancel culture. Nick Cave says, Mercy is a value that, we sh- that should be at the heart of any functioning and tolerating society. Mercy ultimately ultimately acknowledges that we are all imperfect and in doing so allows us oxygen to breathe, to feel protected within a society through our mutual failability. Without mercy, a society loses its soul and devours itself. Very powerful words. Yet mercy is not a given. It is a value which we must nurture. Without mercy, society grows inflexible, fearful, vindictive, and humorless. As far as I can see, cancel culture is mercy's antithesis. Political correctness has grown to become the unhappiest religion of the world. Cancel culture's refusal to engage with uncomfortable ideas has left an 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 asphyxiating effect on the creative soul of society. But this is where we are. We are a culture in transition, and it may be that we are heading towards a more equal society, I don't know, but what essential values will we forfeit in the process? 
Wow. Very powerful words. John chapter 3 talks about the light coming into the world. And it says here, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds being exposed. But whoever loves, who lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John here expands this idea of not comprehending it to say that some people actually like living in the darkness and because of that, that they don't like the fact that the light exposes their sinful nature. It exposes the darkness that is in them. I'm just aware of my time here, so I'm just going to move on. So, okay, let's look at overcome. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here we have a concept of there being no power in darkness to overcome or overtake or or seize hold of the light. And um, I, I was thinking about about this, and there's a bit of a routine in our morning as, as a family. Um, I am not a morning person. <laughs> so, hands up all you night people. Yep. Hands up all you crazy morning people. Yeah, you weirdos. Okay. Um, I'm not a morning, and I find it difficult to get out of bed in the morning. But my, my daughter Sophie comes in. She's got a, a grow clock. She's allowed in at 7 o'clock, and she's allowed to pull me out of bed. And, and every morning she's like, come on, Dad, it's time to get out. She'll grab my arm and pull me, grab my leg and try and get me out. Now, there is no way that little Sophie, who's five years old, has the power to get me out of bed. Like, I am too strong and too powerful uh, for, for her to actually overtake me and overpower me, to overcome me. And she cannot do it. And that is precisely what John is saying here. The darkness has no power to overpower, to overtake, to overcome the light. It has nothing because the victory has already been won. Jesus has come into the world as a light to give us salvation and he has taken upon us the darkness upon himself and he's buried it in the grave and he's been raised to new life and we have new life in him And as Jesus comes and offers us salvation, we too have that newness of life and the victory that was Jesus is our victory. And it's not a victory that is to come. It's not a victory that is, um, you know, when I get things right. It is a victory that Jesus has won on the cross. And therefore, the darkness has no victory. Sin, (laughs) death, where is your sting? We have victory in Jesus. The power cannot overcome it. A couple of, uh, of verses that, um, that John continues to talk about as light is John chapter, t- chapter 12. 
And in this, John says, I have come as light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me, all those who come to Christ and follow him and accept him as their saviour, will no longer remain in the, in the dark. It is a promise. And in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus again spoke to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is a certainty here that Jesus offers as the light that cannot be overcome. And he goes on in this verse to say, you will have the light of life. So not only will we no longer need to be fear and, and, and walk in darkness, but he will give us himself. So when I say hope is here, Jesus himself is given to us as a gift. We will have the light of life, not only uh, in our presence as we meet together and in our world, but in our hearts. So hope is here. Hope is here. And then, I've got to be quick. (laughs) The darkness cannot extinguish it. And here again is related to the world that we see around us as we see people trying their best to throw dirt at the fire of the Christianity movement of Jesus. Let's try and put it out. Let's try and cut it out. Let's just try and get rid of it. You know what? It'll never be extinguished. In fact, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of this funny clip and uh, there is one little bit of language in it. I'm sure you can... uh, get over that but um, it's a, a clip from Top Gear as someone who's very bad at welding sets the car on fire and this is what happens ow ow I'm on fire oh ow that's that <laughs> Oh, for God's sake! Right, that's got it. (laughs) Here is a perfect picture of what John is talking about. The light has come into the world and the darkness cannot put it out. It cannot extinguish it. uh, And there are some bills being put forward at the moment in Victoria uh, and New South Wales that are, are saying that it's going to be criminal... Uh, for Christians to be praying for people who uh, are confused about uh, gender issues. They're saying that um, Christian schools, even though they're independent and not government schools, are not going to be able to uh, teach a biblical understanding of our understanding of marriage. So the world, the darkness, is throwing all it can at the light. But John reminds us, and can I encourage you this morning, as, as you feel fear, as you feel uncertainty, as you feel weariness, as you feel like people might be throwing stuff at you, trying to put out the light, the light cannot be put out. It can never be put out. If we look in, in, in China, for example, where it, the, it's illegal for the church to meet and the church goes underground and, and poof, We've got the, the fastest growing church movement in our history 
the light can't be put out. Jesus will remain to be the hope of the world no matter what people throw at him. And so can I encourage you as as this year as this year draws to a close, whatever you sense, whatever you feel, whatever uh, is is happening in your world, be reminded that this season of Advent, we we think of this word hope. The light has come into our world, and whatever we sense, the darkness cannot put it out. We have hope because Jesus is here. We have hope because Jesus has made a way. We have hope because Jesus has won the victory over the darkness, and we need not fear it. I just want to leave you with one last verse, John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me, and may you know his peace this morning. Here on earth you may have trials and sorrows. (laughs) That's true, isn't it? But take heart, because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. And here you might say, oh, is that that word again? No, here in the Greek is a different word, and it's this word, and it means to conquer. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive our conquering king. Amen. I'm going to invite the, um, the music team up, and we're just going to sing a last song. And I just want to just spend some time uh, praying for you and praying for your world and your uh, reality. And as we, we sing this song, yeah, I just pray that um, the hope that Jesus is here, the hope that he brings, would enter into your, your reality. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that even though the world doesn't understand you, uh, even though darkness tries to put you out and overpower you, thank you that you are ultimately victorious that on that cross you took upon our sin, you took upon our shame, you took upon our fear, and you buried it once and for all. And so no matter what people, society, or even the devil wants to throw at us, we know that our hope is secure because you are here and that you are a light that will never, ever be extinguished for all eternity We can put our hope in you, the one certain unshakable truth, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to stand, we're just going to finish speaking of God's goodness and just being able to know that God is faithful and and we can trust in Him. He, as I mentioned earlier, he, He journeys with us. Thank you, Lord, that we can just know your strength and know that you prepare the way for us and you provide all that we need. Yeah.
glad you came this morning and uh, to have that hope and to know that nothing will ever overcome the light and uh, we can live in the joy of that. And uh, I just want to remind you that there is coffee available for you if you'd like to stay and have a cuppa. Uh, There's prayer available in the prayer room if anybody would like to uh, go in there. And if you'd just like to bow your heads now, I'd like to pray a blessing over you. Lord, we just thank you for Sam's word this morning and we just want to be mindful of your ironic blessing that you ask you that you will bless and keep us, that you will make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us and that the Lord will turn your face towards us and give you your peace, give us your peace. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy the rest of your week. Oh, sorry, Max. Just as Sam was uh, preaching, uh, just the thought came to me that when Christ came the first time, the, the oppression that we, he came into was the Roman Empire and that uh, his disciples, you know, were waiting for the Messiah to come and free them from the Roman Empire. And yet within 200 years, without any fight, Jesus and these men turned the world upside down. And I just just a thought came that the whole of the Roman Empire, which was so oppressive to the Jewish people at that time, was completely overthrown by the love of Christ. Sorry. Thank you.